Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Narratives of Grace podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Caleb Barrett. Today's message is from the first time that our church was able to come back together and celebrate communion since the COVID lockdowns. This is on 1 Corinthians 11, 17-34, where I examine what it is to do communion and how the body of Christ is unified in this blessed meal. Again, good morning to everybody. I'm glad to be able to be here and worship with all of you, and it is a, a wonderful thing to be able to come together uh, to partake of the Lord's Supper, to partake of communion together, and I'm very thankful that I have the opportunity to, uh, to declare God's word this morning specifically about what is uh, communion. Um, and I'll, I'll give you the, the answer to the test. It's, it's unity. Yeah, but what does that mean exactly? We'll, we'll dig into this morning. Uh, the passage that we'll be looking at is 1 Corinthians 11, uh, verses 17 through 34. But before we start, you know, communion's been something that's been very interesting to me for a long time. Uh, for anyone that's here that hasn't heard my testimony, I didn't become a believer until uh, I was 21. Uh, I thought I was a believer. I grew up around the church. I didn't grow up in the church, but I grew up enough around it that I witnessed communion several times. And I held it in a high regard without actually understanding what it was. Uh, and I, I actually, I think before becoming a believer, even when I thought I was, I, I believe I only took communion once or maybe twice, uh, not knowing exactly what it was. But every time it came, I let it pass by because I held it in a high regard even again without understanding what it was. Uh, but I think it's important to see um, exactly what communion is. Um, but before we look at the text, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Dear Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you that you have called us into this place. We thank you that you have brought us all to this country where we are, are free to worship you, that we are free to uh, express uh, our thoughts and opinions even when they go against other things. And we thank you that we had yesterday to celebrate that. But we thank you even more that we have freedom from sin uh, in you through the blood of Christ on the cross. And we just ask that today we can remember that and today we focus on that as we uh, listen to your word, but also as we partake of the meal together. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Uh, one interesting thing before we, we really look at what it is, is there's a lot of different names for communion. I'm pretty sure Pastor Dennis referred to it as Lord's Supper before. I, I typically will call it communion. It's hard for me to not call it that. There's a lot of other names that you may hear there. The, the, back in the uh, early church, it was called the Love Feast, uh, which it was used with agape, which means love, but it, it's a community uh, form of love. Um, you, you may hear Eucharist. That, that's uh, the typical one used in the Catholic church. And the thing is that that phrase isn't a bad thing. It's actually a good thing, meaning thanksgiving um, offered graciously, but it is meant in terms of a more ritualistic uh, ceremony, which is why we really don't use it. Uh, but communion, uh, what the word really means is the sharing or exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings, especially when the exchange is on a mental or spiritual level. So it is coming together in a spiritual way, which is why I use that. But um, that's not to say that any other word used, as long as it is appropriate, isn't wrong. But, uh, but that's why I refer to it as that. That's why I'll refer to it through the message this morning. But uh, let us look at the passage. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting 
in verse 17. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in, this, in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized." When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who, do not have, who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then. So eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. And when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined, so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. About other things, I will give directions when I come. Thanks be to God. So often when we hear this passage, we just hear the center part. We don't hear the very beginning. We don't hear uh, what the problems are in the Corinthian church. Um, and this is a common text used uh, when presiding over uh, communion, presiding over the Lord's Supper. It's the one that I typically will use. But to really understand why Paul is writing about it, we need to look back a little bit more. Why didn't they just use the Gospels? They did. But Paul is saying, but you guys are doing this wrong. And here's what is the problem. And it's not a little problem. There were major problems in the Corinthian church. There weren't slight issues. There weren't slight divisions. There weren't cliques within that these people like to spend time with each other and these people spend time with each other and that there isn't a, a complete communion. But rather... There were significant divisions, and they were largely based on financial and class uh, separations. And today we hear many significant voices in the church talk about how uh, the church is the one place where those divisions should not be. We see uh, nobility in England or, or Scotland. I've heard preachers from there talk about how they'll come into the church and sit next to somebody that's next to homeless. And that is exactly what we should strive for in the church. But that is the exact opposite of what was happening in Corinth. 
we see in this passage that there are extreme separations. And we need to remember that the word translated as church, ecclesia, is also means the assembly. Because this building isn't the church. This, this building is simply where the church meets. We are the church. Whether you're watching online or not, those that believe and gather in his name are the church. We are the gathering, the assembly. So for him to say that to hear within the church, within the assembly, there are these divisions. It's almost like getting uh, a vase in the mail that's cracked and can't hold water. It loses its purpose. Its purpose is to hold water. The church is to be unified in the name of Christ. If we aren't unified, we don't have what we are uh, purposed for. We aren't what God made us to be as the set apart, as the assembly. And the really sad part is, is that he knows this church well enough that he says, and I'm not surprised, basically. He doesn't say that literally in the Greek, but that's basically what he says. And I think we all may know of churches uh, from wherever, maybe they're churches that are from back in the past that you may hear that this church split or there was this issue in the church or this uh, leader uh, committed this thing. And, and your response is probably like, unfortunately, I'm not really surprised. That's, that's what happened here. That's what Paul said. Yeah, that, I'm, I'm sorry to say, but that's, I'm not surprised that you guys are having this issue. And then he points out that there needs to be this grouping, there needs to be this working out to find the people that are genuine believers. Uh, when we read this, we get the feeling that some were using it as nothing more than a social gathering. Uh, it's interesting when we read the different epistles that some places the apostles had to say, stay together, this is such a significant thing, don't fall away because of... Uh, tribulations and what you're going through. And then Paul has to write to the Corinthian church, man, some of you guys need to get out because you're doing nothing but making this a social thing. Um, but we need to look and realize that this is the problem that's happening in this church. And I think that's a problem that we have today in a lot of ways that we don't understand what the Lord's Supper is. We don't understand what communion is and we take it lightly. Uh, I've been to several churches when they've done communion and it's almost a side thought. It's an afterthought. Uh, I went to one church, and I basically, I think I clocked it at under a minute from beginning to end, including the passing out and taking. And that is kind of impressive that you can do it that fast, uh, but that's a problem. It's not something that we necessarily need to take an hour for, but it's something that should be given genuine thought because this is a very important thing that we are called to do. <clears throat> And we see in this, as he elaborates on some of the issues that, that some ate, but not of the Lord's Supper. So when we think of uh, that title, the Lord's Supper, it's similar to the title of the Lord's Prayer. It's not one that, that in Scripture Christ says, now this is the Lord's Prayer, pray it. He says, take this and use it. Uh, in the same way, we take this and it's something given of the Lord from the Lord. Uh, but in the same way, it matters where our heart is. If we say the Lord's Prayer, but our heart isn't in it, then we just said words. If we take of communion and our heart isn't in it, then it's just a cracker and juice. We need to understand that our heart is significant when we come to worship. Now, the order of worship and, and the way we do worship is important too. That we use certain elements is an important thing too. But our heart, if it's not there, then it's worthless. It's nothing. Uh, we can say that we worship the one true God, but if our heart isn't there, if our heart's not true to God, a true transformed heart to worship, 
then we are not worshiping Yahweh. We can say we're worshiping, but then we're worshiping a speaker that we like or music that we like. We are not worshiping the one true God. And in the same way, when we come together for communion, our heart should be in it, focused on who God is and what he has done for us. But when this says, some go ahead and eat, it's not referring to uh, the eating of the bread before others. When we, when we take communion as a church, uh, we, we tell everybody, wait and take the cracker together, take the bread together, uh, wait and take the, the juice together. So that, that's not what this means is some go ahead and eat, but rather that some don't care about this being a meal to partake in a certain way as a body unified. Instead, they just they want to eat. They're using this as an opportunity to fill their bellies. They're, they're, they're just concerned about their own hunger. Others do not share. Others do not partake in this. But then some get drunk. And now I'll say this. What this is talking about is not whether or not alcohol is acceptable. This is not talking about whether or not what the line is in, in that regard. But instead it's saying that one way or the other, this is not the place for that. This is a place that we do to remember what Christ did, that the wine represents his blood. It's not something that we drink purely because we may like the taste or we want the effect. Drinking in excess in this way is wrong, and that is one reason uh, that I, I think it, it is a good thing in a large part that we've uh, switched to grape juice. Uh, the interesting thing, as a side note, is that grape juice was invented for communion. It was invented by a pastor so that people that were alcoholics could take it and not be tempted back toward alcohol. But that's a whole nother conversation. Uh, if I went on all of the little side facts about communion and the Lord's Supper, I think we would be here until tomorrow. Uh, so I'll try and keep us focused. But, but this is not the place for that. This, again, like with the eating in excess, with the eating for your own desire is just that. If we're doing it for our own desire in whatever way, then it is done wrong. It is not done to the Lord. It is not done for the Lord. Paul even says, just go home and do that. If you're going to do that, then just go home. Now, he's not telling him to get out of the church, but rather he's saying there's a place for that. Go home and, and do as you will. Now, he's not condoning the drunkenness in that, but he's saying don't do it in the church. Don't do it in the celebration um, of the Lord's Supper. But I think one of the worst things in this warning passage or in this, I wouldn't even, this part's not even the warning, but the calling out of sin passage is that he talks about humiliating, humiliating those who do not have. Uh, where it says, or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? Now again, the church should be somewhere that the rich and poor can come together and worship as equals because in Christ we are all equal. It is not the place for us to say, well, I have a Tesla outside and I know you have a 95 something or other that barely runs and we should go look at how beautiful my car is or something like that that is not the place for this in fact this is the place for us to share and help each other we need to see that this isn't a place for us to be separated this isn't a place for us to find different uh, ways that we can break apart this is a place for us especially in communion for us to be unified as one body this separation cannot happen. If we make each other feel bad because uh, we have this and you don't, we need, we need to look 
for a way to unify. If we disagree over something, instead of fighting in the church, we need to look for ways to discuss those disagreements. We should discuss disagreements over coffee or lunch instead of attacking one another in the church. We need to look to be unified in all of these things. And that's what we see in this passage. We see in this passage the problem is of, one, that they care more about their own passions, their own fleshly desires more than what Christ has called them to and what God has called them to, but two, that there is a disunity in the church. And I think one place that we really see, we, we know, we talk about knowing the need for unity within the church. We talk about it a lot, but then we don't do anything about it. Now, I'll say that's one place where Baptists definitely got it right with things like potlucks. And I may joke that, you know, you're not a Baptist if you don't have a, a potluck at least once a quarter. But there is a level of where that is true. Now, it may not be in the potluck, but having that meal together is what they were doing. They didn't celebrate it like we did where they passed out a cracker and a little cup of juice. It was part of a meal, and I think that's good to do uh, on an occasional basis. And in fact, we were planning on doing that uh, over Holy Week. We were planning on um, doing something a little bit more with uh, uh, Maudie Thursday, the Thursday of Holy Week. Um, but COVID had to go and get in the way and throw all of those plans uh, out the window. But it is that. We get to come together in a potluck and share with one another and be together. It's a place where we tell people, if you can't bring something, that's okay. Come and eat. Like, that's a fine thing. Um, but we need to look at the church as a unit. We need to find a way for us to become closer, trust one another. Uh, we need to find a way to be unified in that way. And it's just like with any kind of team. Without a real unity within that team, it's going to be so much less effective. Uh, when I <clears throat> tested for uh, one of my last martial art tests that I, I did, part of it, it was a five-day long test, and part of it was to make it so you had no choice but to rely on the other people in your team. Uh, even though I wasn't able to test with them again this year, they still reached out to me and said that they were sorry that I wasn't there, and I think we still trust each other in a slightly different way because we went through that. And I know that's the same uh, with, with teams in the military. You need to trust one another on that team, whatever it is, whether it's a short-term team, long-term team, or anything like that. I can't speak to any more specifics than that. Maybe somebody else can, and please correct me if I'm wrong in this, but if you don't trust each other when you go out to get a job done, it's either going to be a lot more difficult to get it done or it's going to be a lot more dangerous. Now, we, we don't think about it in that way because in the church, we aren't worried for our lives in the same way that a, a military combat team might be. But we need to be concerned for our spirits. We need to be concerned for our souls. Now, that's not to say that we're going to lose our salvation if we don't come together and work, but we're going to be a lot less effective as a church. It's going to make it a lot more difficult to go out and, and show people who Christ is. But when we come together in unity, we can do amazing things as the body of Christ. But then Paul goes on and says the order of how to do communion, <clears throat> how to do the Lord's Supper. Uh, and there's a lot of little interesting things with this uh, that we can talk about at another time. But it is important to see that the, the two aspects that are really important is that the breaking the bread wasn't just a random thing. It's not something that, that Christ just did on a whim. 
And I think we can really look at this as a place of, in uh, a, a normal meal, of, of prayer at the beginning of the meal. It's the breaking of the bread. It is the beginning of that meal. When we read these accounts, we read them as if this happened within a, a, a couple minutes, that Christ broke the bread, said this, and then immediately went to the cup. Likely that's not what happened. Likely the bread was broken at the beginning of the meal, and we see this uh, in this passage, is that at the beginning, Christ broke the bread and said, this is my body. And <clears throat> that, that's an interesting thing, but the most significant part of the order of this is the cup. And this is part of why I wanted to focus on this with Maudie Thursday, because, again, where he did this, where he uh, raised the cup to, to make the new covenant, it wasn't done randomly. Uh, if you haven't heard mine and Pastor Dennis's podcast on this, we get into the significance of this. But the, the Last Supper, the first time of the Lord's Supper, the communion, um, was done in Passover. So there's several cups uh, of wine throughout the Seder meal, throughout the Passover meal. But the fourth cup is remembering the covenant. The fourth cup is remembering the Mosaic Covenant, the covenant that made Israel who they were, that, they, that made them God's people. Now, they were God's people already because he declared it so, but that was when the promise was set in place. But when Christ said, this is my blood, this is the new covenant, it was saying that that is completed and now I am here. We don't need the sacrificial system anymore because I am the sacrifice. Now, he doesn't say it in this way, but that is part of what it's communicating, that that is the new covenant in his blood. <clears throat> and it's important to see that this fellowship of believers wasn't something that started in the Corinthian church. It's not something that Paul started in this way. It's something that was started from the beginning of the church. We see it in Acts 2:42 that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, which that can mean a lot of different things, but it is thought to mean that that is the Lord's Supper, that that is them taking communion together. So that would have been from the very beginning of the church. They were unified over that meal. They were unified over that coming together, they were unified in their prayers as well. We need to look at this unity and remember that Paul didn't start it. We can discuss a lot of different things in this passage. We can discuss whether Paul, this was passed down to him in oral tradition or whether he had a vision, uh, because there is question on that with, for I received from the Lord that I might deliver it to you. But none of that matters in as far as we know that it's inspired. So whether or not it was passed down by oral tradition or he got this from a vision, we know that this book is inspired and we trust that. Therefore, we trust regardless of how he got it, that it is true, that this is an important thing. But the thing to remember at its core is verse 26, that we do this to remember what Christ did and proclaim what he has done that we proclaim his death and resurrection until he comes. We do this continually as we look forward to his next coming, to his second coming. And when we talk about disunity, most of the disunity in a church 
will come from disagreements. It'll come from, um, you said this and I didn't agree with that, or I didn't like the way you put this. But we need to put those things aside. And I already mentioned that if you have a disagreement with somebody, have coffee with them, have lunch with them, talk to them, work it out. It might be a long conversation. It might be an active conversation. It might be a loud conversation, but it should be a conversation. In the same way, we need to remember if they sinned against you that we need to offer forgiveness. We need to remember that in this cup, our sins are forgiven, not because we're so good, but because God is so perfect. So when we come up to somebody that has something that we have something against, we need to forgive them for it. Um, I, I'm pretty sure this quote was used in a, a recent message, but Sproul has said that uh, sin is cosmic treason. Our sinning against God is far greater than any one of us sinning against another one. And this should be a time where we forgive those things to come back together as the body of Christ, to be unified in him because through the blood of the lamb, the perfect lamb, we are back unified with God. We are back together with him. So why are we uh, dividing over petty things in the body? But then comes the warning. Maybe. Oh, it's in there somewhere. But the warning is uh, really the end of this passage that whoever eats and drinks of this unworthily is guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. This is something that sets us free, so it's certainly not something that I would want to be guilty toward. We need to see that we do this in a certain way for a reason. And now I'm not saying we do this in a certain way in terms of we do this with crackers and we do this with, with fruit of the vine. And that's not what I'm talking about in terms of order. Instead, I'm talking about that we take time to pray. We take time to confess those sins. We're going to have a, a time of, of reflection and invitation at the end of this. If you have something against somebody else in the church, go talk to them uh, beforehand, before that. Go and, and pray with them. Ask for forgiveness if you know you've done something that they don't like. Text them. Call them in that time. Look for a way that we can, again, be unified as a body. We need to look at things like communion. We need to look at things like baptism with reverence and remember what it means, that communion is a time of coming together. It is a time of unity, not just of the body, but in Christ. We come together with unity as the body of Christ. It should be a time to bring us together, and we need to realize that this warning is something to tell us that we need to not do this in a halfway manner. We need to see what worthiness means here. It's not saying that we are worthy to do it because I say that we are not. We aren't worthy of it. We're made worthy. Uh, here, the, the term worthiness is used in a way not to say that we are made ourselves worthy by confessing to one another, but that we, are <clears throat> we do it in a way to glorify God. It's not that we are ourselves worthy, but that we do it in a worthy manner. And that's where the heart comes in. We need to do it as a way of remembering the unity of the body and remembering the sacrifice of Christ that brings us together. But then we have the reminder. 
Paul ends this with, with just reiterating. So if you're going to come and do these things, go and do them at home. Don't bring it here. Don't bring that judgment on yourselves. Look for the way to do it as God called us to do. We need to realize that this is the new covenant, and the new covenant is something to be honored and glorified in Christ because it is a perfect thing. And it's something that didn't come out of nowhere. It's something that was foretold by his prophet Jeremiah. That the days are coming when there will be a new covenant. And in that new covenant, we are unified in him. We need to remember in that unity, in this new covenant, that we are blessed. Now we see this when we, when we preside over the Lord's Supper that we bless the elements, but it's not that Christ blessed the elements. He didn't bless the bread and the, the wine of that and make it something different. Instead, he blessed his disciples. He blessed the apostles. He blessed all of those that would partake in this and remember who he was and what he did. Uh, John Whitcliffe said he blessed his disciples and apostles whom he had ordained to witness of his passion. And in them, he left his blessed word, which is the bread of life. And that's what we partake of. We remember these things because of scripture. We remember that he's blessed them for them seeing this. He's blessed us that we get to partake of this as the unified body. So why focus so much on this meal? Is it a time of ritual? In some ways, it's a time that we do a certain thing in a certain manner. Is it a time to remember that we are the body? Yes, it is a time that we remember that we are the body. Is it a time of fellowship? Yes, it's a time that we come together as the body. We remember that we are the body, but we take this time as the body to celebrate it. Is it a time of reflection? Yes, we should take this time and remember what we've done and the blessing that we have, but also the treason that we have committed against God, the things that are, have been intentional that we know aren't right but are fine. You know, the little white lie, the speeding over that, all of these things are the little treasons that we cause, the little laws that we break, and it is a time of reflection. But it's far more than that. And I think we, we should think about the song, The Come Ye Sinners, that we come before God, we come before Him as sinners, that we are poor and needy, and He forgives those things. These things are all true. All these things that, that I mentioned, but it's more than that. We need to remember that communion is the climax of worship. And by what I mean by that is that Worship is drawing near to communion with God. We should understand that that is the high point of worship. It's a time that we come together to celebrate. It's a time that we come before God to eat a meal together before Him, with Him. It's a time that we remember that Christ is our mediator. It's a time that we draw near. It's a time that we should be unified as the church drawing before God, drawing before Christ, who has made us unified. The meal, the Lord's Supper, communion, whatever you want to call it, is a reminder that Christ died, his body broken, his blood poured out, so that we could be in true communion as a body, as a unified body, with the one true God, now and forever. Amen. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for 
today. We thank you that you have called us into this place. We thank you that you sent your son to die on the cross and gave us this way of remembering what he has done. We thank you for all of these things. And in this time, we ask that you help us to remember who you are and all that you've done. Today in this time, we ask that we can reflect on what we've done. We can reflect on our hearts and we can reflect on the things that make you who you are and the things that make us unified in you. We ask that in this time we can reflect on that unification. We can see if we have a division in our heart against somebody else in the church and that we may make that right. We ask that today you remind us that we are the church. We are the assembly. We are the set apart gathered in your name. We are the body and you are the head through the spilling of your blood. And that is what we remember today in this time of communion, in this meal together. We pray all of these things in your heavenly name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Narratives of Grace podcast. I pray that this message was a blessing to everyone that tuned in with us today. For any questions or comments on this message or any others, or if there's any topics you'd like us to cover in a future episode, please email us at pastor at mbaptist.org. If you have any prayer requests uh, about anything, big or small, whether you're a member of our church or just tune into the podcast, please email us at prayer at mbaptist.org. We want to be praying over everything big and small. Uh, And you can note on that whether you want it to stay between us pastors or go out to the deacons or go out to the whole church body. For more information on Mililani Baptist Church, please visit our website at mbaptist.org or follow us on social media and YouTube. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you'll join us next time.